Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Hello, my friends, and welcome to this, another episode of the Roto World Football Podcast. My name is Josh Norris, joined here on this Wednesday slash Thursday, this midweek episode by Denny Carter and Patrick Doherty. Denny, week one, truly as a member of Roto World, one out of 10 grade, how would you give it in terms of the NFL season and just the camaraderie that you might have with all of your coworkers? So are we talking about uh, a stress level on Sundays or just are we... Put it all into one package and give me one score of how you would give the week. So I would give it a 7.4. Ooh, I like oh. it. Yeah, That's- very, very specific. <laughs> I clearly have thought about this. No, no. I, I, there are some things that are a lot more fun and I was more into than I, mm-hmm. than I thought, you know, I would be going in. Uh, on for this for the Sunday, uh, you know, game tracking and everything. And then there are some things uh, that that were a little bit a little bit tilting and a little bit a little bit difficult. Uh, you know, specifically getting um, a four o'clock game that had about forty four fantasy relevant players uh, yeah. in, with the Saints and and Bucks. So uh, you know, but I am I'm I'm adjusting on the fly, and uh, and thankfully thankfully uh, Pat is is being gracious with me. You're doing a very good job adjusting on the fly. So, uh, you know, yeah, who who knew you had to bl- blur Blashawn McCoy? But there are some, unfortunately, some drudgery around the Roto world. That was a surprise when Pat when Pat told me, uh, "Did you get McCoy?" I thought I did not. I I actually had to think. I'm like, oh, wait, McCoy. Who I'm is like, McCoy? Oh, okay. He did. He did. Guy? He did play. Right. He did play in in that game. Uh, but but I know I did not blur. So yeah, like I said, you know, just 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 learning. Uh, but I've never, you know, it's been a long time since I've sat there and I watched a real game and had to pay attention to it, to, to what was happening in just one game. You know, it's, right. it's been all red zone for me for, for years. I like getting to dial in on like the narrative of like one game and like kind of like feeling the storylines build as it goes, as opposed to just doing red zone. But uh, I mean, maybe I also have Stockholm syndrome after like 10 or 11 years. Of yeah. <laughs> Teddy, here, here's the little inside info. I'm not sure if you are attached to these emails, but every once in a while, and I might be giving away some secrets here. We do get emails from like NBC sports, I don't even know what section they are. It's like PR or something, Pat, where readers and listeners can reach out to their email. And we just get these like disgruntled, like terrifying little tidbits of people just hammering anything that we do of 
you know, statements that are in blurbs. We didn't do this right. We didn't do this right. And so for, you know, the person in Iowa who's playing in a 18 man league and yeah. needs that LaShawn McCoy blurb, that's the reason why we're doing that, Denny Carter. Well, that, that's, that's the person I have at top of mind when I'm, when I'm working on Sundays, when I'm grinding blurbs, I'm thinking well, my man in Iowa in your 18 team league who started, who started McCoy hoping, hoping for maybe a, a screen pass that goes the distance. Uh, yeah, I have to, I have to keep that in mind, but yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm on Twitter all the time. So, you know, I see people, you know, uh, how critical, sick people are. Of, yeah. Critical of, of, of every, of every site that they tracks player news and like, where is this update? I don't see this update. I'm like there are humans behind this. We, you know, we're not, it's just not, not a computer generated AI thing. Give us some time. Start clean with Clorox because Clorox delivers a powerful clean every time. Because messes happen. Because... Hey, listen. Remember how you told me to toss those takeout containers before we left for vacation? And you were like, I'm serious. If that leaks over the counter, it'll be a slimy abomination by the time I get back. And I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Of course. Don't worry about it. I won't forget. (laughs) Well. Ooh, yeah. That happens. So start clean with Clorox. Use Clorox products as directed. Rinse after use if in contact with food surface. If a friend asks how you're doing, and you say, I'm okay. When the truth is, I don't want my problems to burden anyone. Or you say, Hang it in there. Because, If I ask for help, they'll just think I'm weak. Then this is your sign to call, text, or chat. 988 for free, confidential support. Anytime. You don't have to hide how you feel. Walmart Plus members save on meeting up with friends. Save on having them over for dinner with free delivery with no hidden fees or markups. That's groceries plus napkins plus that vegetable chopper to make things a bit easier. Plus, members save on gas to go meet them in their neck of the woods. Plus, when you're ready for the ultimate sign of friendship, start a show together with your included Paramount Plus subscription. Walmart Plus members save on this plus so much more. Start a 30-day free trial at walmartplus.com. Paramount Plus, a central plan only. Separate registration required. See Walmart Plus terms and conditions. (laughs) <laughs> Do you agree with my life theory, Denny, that your mentions are a reflection of you as tweeter? Oh my God! If that's true, I am I am in a world of hurt. <laughs> uh, I mean, I, I I should be institutionalized if that's the <laughs> case because my mentions, man. <laughs> well, that that's the perfect. Uh, signal for us to move on in this conversation. So today, a little outline of what we're going to do. We're going to talk about the big news stories of the week, what's impacted us from Sunday and how it's going to impact us the next Sunday. Then we'll get to two names in Denny Carter's Target Decoder column, which you can check out on Roto World, my big bust of the week. Uh, We're talking about football here. Um, That is up on Roto World as well, the top five of those. And then we'll close with a Thursday night football preview oh my gosh what a barn burner we have this week the cincinnati Bengals traveling to the cleveland browns no wonder it's in prime time but gentlemen we will start and let's workshop the title first the three big stories of the week i think big overused something that i need a thesaurus for and and just to come up with with a a synonym you know pat could it be like the three life-changing stories of the week like what should it be uh yeah sure i mean the three big stories that will take your mind off uh you know all the news in this country where there's not you know america's been in a very low news environment uh, Mm -hmm. the past few years especially Mm -hmm. the past few weeks um but uh these will be the three that that take your your mind off uh life great when i 
proposed a podcast with Denny Carter and Pat Doherty and then thought about this little bit that we possibly could have in workshopping a title, that is absolutely the answer that I wanted, Pat, in terms of <laughs> us, an extended thing that could not be a title that could not be fit in a headline and that encapsulates the world at large. All right. The three seismic stories of the week. Okay, here we go. There you go. Michael Thomas is out, quote, several weeks. I mean, Denny, whenever I see several, yeah. I think a dozen. I think 12, which I think is like the literal terminology for that. Yet now several has been, you know, term two or three. I don't know when that happened in, in the world, but we need to rewind and change that. Uh, anyways, Tom Palacero of NFO Network reported that Michael Thomas's high ankle sprain, which was deemed worse than expected and occurred on like one of the final few plays of that Saints win. Um, you can assume he's going to miss the next two weeks. What does this mean for the Saints offense? What does this mean for fantasy teams who drafted Michael Thomas, maybe like you, Denny, in the first yeah. round? And is anybody going to be the beneficiary here? Uh, well, first of all, you sounded like Ron Burgundy a minute ago when you said uh, Michael Thomas ankle injury. You did. Yeah. <laughs> did I really? Yeah, 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 we fed it into the prompter for you to kind of throw you <laughs> off your game. He'll read anything. Perfect. He'll read anything. <laughs> Get serious now. Um, I, I think that... You know, if you were stashing like Emmanuel Sanders, uh, you know, I think he had enough usage last week in a very, you know, low volume, just a a, a horrible game for the, the Saints passing offense. And I think, you know, Drew Brees said as much afterward. He said, I stunk. Um, I think that Sanders is a guy who becomes a really interesting start going forward, including, uh, you know, th- this coming week uh, against the Raiders. Uh, you know, the, the Saints have a really nice implied total. Um, he's not going to absorb obviously all of, of Michael Thomas's targets. He's not going to be that, that kind of player. Uh, but I think that his floor gets a lot higher and maybe his ceiling gets, gets a little bump as well. Um, I, I would say that, uh, Jared Cook's usage, um, playing a ton of snaps, running a lot of routes against Tampa and of course leading the team in receiving, uh, both I believe in receptions and in, in yardage. Uh, I, I think that he becomes, of a nice plug and play going forward, uh, you know, especially PPR wise, uh, it seems, you know, it seems like a very high floor. Yeah, Josh, maybe these are the three impact craters of the week. Love Does it. That sound? We're rolling with it. Chicks, a lub craters. I believe that's the name of the crater that killed the dinosaurs in the Gulf of Mexico and the Yucatan Peninsula. Um, but I agree with, I think to me, the, my first thought was this is <laughs> really good for Jared cook. And they kind of like, puts Jared Cook uh, like in the top five or six tight ends on a weekly basis. Uh, you just had, even with Michael Thomas healthy last week, it was his fourth 80 yard game in his past seven regular season games. And uh, they just need him really badly. They're going to really need his playmaking threat really badly. So I think maybe the, the main impact of this injury will be solidifying uh, Jared Cook's floor and making a ceiling more attainable on a weekly basis. Uh, I, you know, I want this to mean like Traquan Smith love, but I just, it's hard to tell. Are the Saints still in on Traquan Smith? Just because they didn't force the issue at all last year. They went out and signed, you know, super veteran Emmanuel Sanders, who is he does have increasing injury issues. He's healthy right now, but has had trouble staying. He played. He I think he didn't miss any games last year, but uh, kind of had some durability issues where he's playing hurt a lot. And uh, and Traquan Smith, we know, is an elite athlete who's already had really big games in the NFL. So he's someone I'm at least keeping in my mind again, I mean, I'm not going to rank him in like the top 50 receivers or anything this week, but uh, 
I think the main takeaway is just really solidifying Jared Cook and hmm. Michael Thomas. I'm not surprised to see this several weeks. Yeah, I think the NFL is maybe changing the definition of high ankle sprains. A true high ankle sprain. I mean, you cannot play football. But in the past several years, we've had star players labeled high ankle sprains that didn't miss any time. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, so when I heard Mike, Michael Thomas high ankle sprain, I'm like, wow, okay. I'm surprised they're not immediately ruling him out. Uh, but they since have, and he appears to have a true high ankle sprain if they're already saying two to three games. Yeah, I mean, the, the optimism that the team had after that game, you know, Sunday night into Monday morning, where it was like, you know, Thomas, he, he, he'll play through it. And this and that. And if you saw it, it was this close to being catastrophic. Yeah. And he was clearly in a lot of pain, a lot of discomfort, went to the sideline, tried to walk it off, couldn't walk it off. Uh, and, you know, I just thought that, you know, we're, we, we're waiting. We're like, we're waiting for, for like something big to happen. And uh, by the way, the, the changing definition of, uh, of several, Josh, I blame that on the Zoomers completely. I mean, it, it's true. And here, it seems like worst case scenario is he is out through the Saints bye week, which is in week six. Just from a usage standpoint, I mean, Michael Thomas, we know so much of his production are kind of on those intermediate routes, underneath routes from the slot. I feel like as a passing offense, you can replace that with someone who's on your team, right? Because that's not, you know, this primary receiver role that we see on these other, you know, clubs throughout the NFL. But you know, what Michael Thomas does in those scenarios is, is he, is he special with it, right? Like he is able to break tackles. He's able to basically have a super high catch rate on all of his targets. And that's the difference in there. I mean, I would expect Emmanuel Sanders to see that jump, but you know, we've, we've kind of been expecting this second wide receiver or a name other than Michael Thomas uh, to, to emerge, not counting Jared Cook. And, and it just hasn't. In recent years, and this is—didn't you mention at the top? This is absolutely a matchup when you draft in the first round. You're like, "Dang, I'm going to have him on Monday Night Football against the Las Vegas Raiders in mm-hmm. Week Two. That's yeah. you know potentially a, a blow up spot, and now you don't even get that. All right, let's move on to the next impact crater number two. Love it, Pat. <laughs> Marlon Mack is out for the season. Uh, early on in his Week One debut, he tore his Achilles tendon. So this means Jonathan Taylor, who was drafted. I don't know, round three, round four, maybe even round five, depending on the size of your league. Uh, and Naheem Hines will see increased work. Naheem Hines was fantastic. Two touchdowns in that week one, Pat. Saw an Austin Eckler-like role. But dare I say, dare I say, Pat, this could propel Jonathan Taylor into top 10 running back status the rest of the way. True or false? True. I mean, maybe not for week two, because I mean, was anything more stunning in week one than Naheem Hines' mm-hmm. usage? Like, we knew that Philip Rivers would be checking down to Naheem Hines. I didn't think he'd be doing it at an Austin Eckler type rate, uh, but he basically did. But I, I believe the first touchdown of the season was scored by Naheem Hines. Yeah. And it wasn't just a receiving touchdown. It was an 18 yard rushing touchdown. So it was very, very hard to see that coming. But I mean, I, I all, we're probably three for three in agreement that Naheem Hines is still not an early down threat to Jonathan Taylor. And if you're focusing on two, the two week one stat lines for Jonathan Taylor, to me, the nine carries for 22 yards isn't the takeaway. It's the six receptions for 67 yards. And the fact that Mr. Running Back checked down himself, Phillip Rivers, was comfortable enough with Jonathan Taylor's hands in his first NFL game to give him those six targets. Uh, the fact that he converted all six of them, made a big play on one of them, a 35-yard reception. Uh, I, I am fully on board with John Taylor is now like – very dangerous potential top 10 back the rest of the year. I, I, I'm not, I'm not going to rank him in like the top 10 for week two coming up here, but I mean the, the road there, it's very easy to see and could be very, very soon. 
I didn't realize that Pat was was good friends with Jonathan Taylor and could call him John Taylor. Yeah, that's <laughs> that's uh, the, the my big takeaway here. No, I'm not going to rank him in the top ten uh, this week, but pretty close. You know, mm-hmm. pretty close. It's a it's a sweet matchup, and I think Pat is is right on the money when he says uh, it's the passing game involvement. And I'm starting to think, just on a side note, that uh, you know passing game involvement for, uh, among running backs is a quarterback stat, you know, screen passes, like that might be just a quarterback thing with rivers. Uh, and, and if Taylor can, can maintain that sort of passing uh, game split with Hines going forward and, you know, make his way into the short yardage, you know, goal line back, which, you know, that he pro- profiles perfectly uh, mm-hmm. for that. And I, and I'm guessing the Colts know that. So um, I think that he has a ton, a ton of upside. If you, if you got him, uh, I would not, you know, try to get cute, sell high or whatever the, the, the case may be, whatever the thought process may be. Don't get cute. Stick with them. I, what you just said about a relationship between quarterback play and receptions to running backs, it's absolutely true. I mean, you can look across the league. I think Philip Rivers is a great example of someone who uses him. And then the guy who replaced him with the Chargers and Tyrod Taylor, that just absolutely was not the case in week one. Maybe that changes. But you can go to, I mean, it's, it's a, it's a, segment is it's a conversation we had about Deshaun Watson all offseason right because on paper he has two of the best receiving backs in the NFL and how is he going to use them right so it's it, it really it's a play calling standpoint it's hey we can create these open outlets for you but it, it is a mentality of okay I'm not going to try to reach the first down marker with this throw which we know Philip Rivers does like the the combination path that he brings to the table of Hey, I'm just going to launch this pass down the field mm-hmm. and hopefully it gets to my wide receiver. But also, I'm going to get my running back involved out of the backfield. I don't know if a quarterback, many of them throughout the league, have that kind of mentality and and the compromise that he does with those with those two outlets. Well, it's like the best possible skill set to have when you I really think about it, because you need someone. You don't want just all checkdowns because that's not like you need someone who's well is willing to take layups, but also not afraid to take deep shots. And that has always been Philip Rivers. Now you know the deep shot. Uh, He's, he's working on it. Uh, he might still have it. Uh, yeah, when it comes to quarterback, running back, like running back receptions being a quarterback set, yeah, you just have to look at the greater Phillip Rivers universe and see what that wrought in week one. With one target for Austin Eckler uh, with Tyrod Taylor. Tyrod Taylor. Uh, yeah, it's a very compelling argument that it could – it does change too. We know it's a play calling thing too. Cause I mean, Cam Newton was kind of famous, I believe mm. for not really ever checking down to running backs. Right. Until Christian McCaffrey came to town. Um, so maybe they can change, but yeah, I mean, people like Deshaun Watson, people who think bigger than just, you know, they want more than just three or four yards. They're not going to be checking down running backs nearly as much. Basically we just determined that Philip Rivers quarterback brain is the combination of Jimmy Clausen and Dante Culpepper. I think, <laughs> I think that's what we just decided. All right. The third. Impact crater of the week. Uh, <laughs> yes. Chick-a-lub crater. The, the third. No, we got it. Hot tamale. All right. It just um, rolls off the tongue. <laughs> Can't wait to pitch that one to Ed Williams. All right. Next it's James Connor. After, I mean, it seemed like five minutes of action in week one, but like, man, yeah, it's it sucks. Like he's just broken again. And this quote, maybe Denny, not to say you're older than me, but you need to maybe define this. Steelers coach Mike Tomlin said the team will quote, leave the light on for James Conner with his ankle injury in week two. Explain that to the listeners. Leave oh man. Well, yeah, I mean I, I can definitely explain that. Uh, well, I'm gonna try. So I think I think what he may be saying is Connor has like this much, and I'm holding my fingers very 
you know, not very far apart, this much chance of, of playing this week. Um, and honestly, why, but why would the Steelers push Connor to play this week when Benny Snell, you know, looked the way he did and produced the way he did last, last week against the Giants that, uh, a lot of uh, beat writers for the Steelers have been saying for weeks, you know, in training camp, you know, Snell lost weight. Snell looks great. I, I didn't mean for that to rhyme, but, uh, and, and, you know, wa- watch out for him if he gets a chance this year. And it prompted me to, to, you know, snag him where I could with zero RB builds and whatnot. So I don't know. I just, just thinking of, of how he looked, how the offense operated without Connor I don't see much reason the Steelers would would really push for him to be active uh, this week. Leave the light on, Josh. It's probably like you say you have like an 18-year-old son who no longer has a curfew. You're kind of winking a nod. You know they're probably out drinking. Uh, they hint to do that maybe they're going to come home that night. Uh, oh. But, you know, they're probably just going to stay at a friend's house. But you leave the light on just in case. That's kind of what leave the light on. Um, Interesting. It's like a distant chance that they're coming home. But, you know, they might. So you leave it on just in case, uh, you know, James Conner, this is what the third year in a row where the Steelers have been like, kind of like the Steelers spend the off season kind of like hinting like, yeah, you know, we don't know if James Conner is like durable enough for this every down role. And then no matter what, they instantly give him the every down role. And then, yeah, he unfortunately seems to get hurt very quickly and can't hold up under the every, you can't say he's not holding up on every down role this year since he got hurt within five minutes, like you said. Um, but yeah, they, they seem to know that, James Conner is someone they shouldn't be giving these massive workloads, but then they just do it anyway. Um, but yeah, it's, I think it's going to be a much cleaner situation last year than when James Conner was out because Denny said, I mean, talk about a camp uh, storyline that actually came to fruition. Steelers beats over and over again said Benny Snell looked like a new back, was the clear-cut number two. He was the clear-cut number two Monday night, uh, well, the number one in James Conner's absence. He did only draw one target, didn't catch it. Uh, so maybe Jalen Samuels. Jalen Samuels still on the Steelers, I think he is. Uh, yes. We'll be involved and we'll catch some passes, but uh, yeah, a much cleaner situation. And plus, too, with Ben Roethlisberger under center, you would hope that uh, the fill-in running back's floor is much higher, and he'll actually have a ceiling this time, unlike last year uh, with uh, with Duck and uh, Mason Rudolph. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I mean, Benny Snell is like what, a top twenty option this week. I haven't finalized my running back rankings yet, but I mean, he's talk. He's a yeah. He's what you think of when you think of a plug-and-play RB2. Yeah. I mean, the Steelers are six-and-a-half-point favorites in some places, seven-and-a-half-point favorites at home with just a measly total in this game of 41-and-a-half against the Denver Broncos. One, Benny Snell did look better. I mean, it, he's lost weight this offseason. He looked a little spry or a little quicker. You couldn't m- look worse than he did last year, I would say. No. Um, but also the Steelers' offensive line, like we talk about all the time, it's game script and offensive line talent is what can create rushing success while they lost their starting right tackle. They lost their starting right guard in that opening week game too. So that impact might be felt as we move forward in this running game. All right, time to transition over to Denny Carter's target decoder column. Week two, 2.0, some might say. (laughs) Uh, It's up on Road World right now. Go and check it out. Denny, let's start off with Preston Williams. Wide receiver for the Miami Dolphins, a lackluster week one, I would say, for this entire Miami football team. Uh, They face the Buffalo Bills in week two. You might say there's a little optimism here. There is. And, you know, part part of it, you know, kind of hinges on uh, Devontae Parker's availability. Uh, He seems very iffy uh, for this week as he aggravated that hamstring issue that he's been dealing with for quite a while. Um, so I, I hope, you know, we can know more maybe by tomorrow or Friday, 
the Friday practice obviously is always critical for a guy like that. So that's something to watch. But uh, so Preston Williams, you know, mostly was terrible. Uh, his, his stat line was terrible, but he was a victim of Ryan Fitzpatrick just being a, a disaster against New England. Um, if you look a little closer, I think that there is reason for optimism. And and you have Preston Williams getting a 23% target share uh, against New England. And now he faces uh, a Buffalo team that uh, saw 67% of the targets last week go uh, to opposing wide receivers, you know, namely uh, Jamison Crowder. So, uh, that's how teams mostly attacked the bills last year was uh, targeting the wide receivers pretty heavily. Um, and, you know, Preston Williams, if he, if he gets uh, Trey white on him, uh, I don't know. I, we, Josh and I talked a little bit, a little bit about that before the game that uh, that would be a downgrade to be hmm. sure. But I think that, you know, people, you know, who, who drafted Williams hoping for much more and might dismiss him after week one and say, okay, you're going to the bench. I'd say pump the brakes on that a little bit because I think he could see a lot of opportunity here. Yeah, we know it's a horrible matchup, my elite defense, but kind of unlike the Jets and Sam Darnold, like Ryan Fitzpatrick could get shut down, have a horrible game, but unlike Sam Darnold, he will still – he'll keep taking shots and he'll keep targeting his receivers. He'll keep targeting Preston Preston Williams will at least – have like some skin in the game basically. And uh, yeah, it could be too. I mean, Mike Jacecki had a very bad week one as well, um, but it's such a nar- narrow target. Even if Devontae Parker is healthy, it's such a narrow target tree. And if Devontae Parker is healthy, maybe it almost helps Preston Williams question mark, right. Ron Burgundy teleprompter um, because you know, occupying Tredavious White's attention. Um, but yeah, Preston Williams, that was probably going to be like his lightest usage of the entire year. Yeah, and even though it's another really tough matchup, uh, yeah, I, I'm totally on board with going back to the Preston Williams. Well, I said the same thing to Denny that it might, you know, often we think that oh, they have so many skill position players. How can the targets go around? Well, one, if the Bills keep kind of the same flow as they did last week, they're going to throw the ball a lot. They're going to put up a lot of points on this Dolphins defense. So hopefully that means the Dolphins will have to pass in return on the boomerang. But also with Devontae Parker, if he does play, yeah, that would allow a lesser corner to occupy Preston Williams. And to me, that's only a positive. That's only a positive. Even if he's like second on the target tree, he might be more efficient on those targets. I must have a real quick parting thought here on the Dolphins is that Chan Gailey is a reasonably respected offensive coordinator. He was fine with the Jets at his last go around, but I think we kind of immediately saw, uh, you know, last year for the Dolphins, I mean, Chad O'Shea, the offensive coordinator, I thought it was like a bright spot. I mean, mm-hmm. talk about they were making a lot, a pretty decent amount of lemonade out of some lemons. And mm-hmm. I didn't, he got fired like the day after the season, which I never quite understood. And yeah, then they come out in week one and are very much stuck in, it was a horrible matchup, but very much stuck in neutral in week one. Also on the target decoder is rookie running back DeAndre Swift of the Detroit Lions going against the Green Bay Packers. Denny, I feel like DeAndre Swift's debut would look and be felt a little differently if he came yeah. down with that game scoring, game winning touchdown in the final few seconds of that contest. Just, instead, just a little bit, just a in, little bit. Instead, he dropped it and the Lions lost. Right. I mean, two two things would have happened. You would have had better mental health for Lions fans uh, <laughs> across the country. And then you, you would have also had, I would not have been able to put him in this column because he would have had a, a statistically great day. And people would be like, yeah, yeah, no, I'm all about Swift. Uh, of course I'm having keeping him in my lineup. But that drop, 
changes everything, you know, and, and right. also two, ne- two negatives made a positive here. Exactly. Yes, exactly. <laughs> and uh, I am first and foremost, foremost, a mathematician. So, uh, you know, Detroit, <laughs> Detroit is a five and a half point uh, underdog here against the Packers. I, I do, like I said, in the column, I do foresee negative game script in their future. Uh, and that really feeds a swift potentially over, you know, a guy like Peterson, who's, who's going to see the early down work. I mean, judging by how the lines operate, maybe Peterson will still get 35 carries or something, but, um, but, you know, Swift, um, uh, Swift could benefit from the Packers giving up uh, a decent target share to running backs last week against the Vikings. Uh, 21% of the targets went to uh, opposing running backs, uh, Madison and cook. And uh, last season, uh, only three teams gave up a larger target share to opposing running backs. So that is definitely a way the teams have gone after this Green Bay defense. And if Swift can, you know, maintain that, that, that snap percentage, that snap roll uh, target, sorry, that snap share that he had in week one, then I think, uh, I think he, he could have some volume here. Yeah. I mean, he still had five targets I mean, that was really nice for our NFL back making his debut and, you know, three man backfield, after the truncated training camp, you know, and one of the themes for DeAndre Swift in camp was he's showing off as a pass catcher. So you would hope, however horrific it was, one dropped, you know, game, potentially playoff costing touchdown. Uh, let's just be real about it. Uh, it comes down to one game very often. It uh, doesn't wreck his role too much. And yet uh, I still am. I agree with Denny, a player I loved coming into the season, and there's no reason to get off the DeAndre Swift train. Yep. Speaking of just our math expertise, you wouldn't even believe, though, the stuff Denny and I are teaching Hayden Winks behind the scenes. <laughs> uh, That's right. I, everything oh, I about spreadsheets that he learned is pretty much from Denny and I. So Yeah, you taught him everything he knows. Yes, with DeAndre Swift, this is a player who has the only type of skill set in his team, right? Saw five targets last week. I was actually shocked looking back that Adrian Peterson – uh, had three targets of his own. I was also shocked that at 35 years old, as Greg Rosenthal put it, uh, on three days of practice, Adrian Peterson looked like the clear best running back on the team, and I would say ball carrier on the team. And, you know, that was important and effective against Chicago Bears. But, you know, if Aaron Rodgers does what he did last week to this depleted Detroit Lions secondary, uh, they won't be running Adrian Peterson. Let's put it that way. They will be trying and needing to throw the football. And I think DeAndre Swift, after getting a game underneath his belt, should get more opportunity and improve on those five targets, maybe even to eight targets, which was the, like you said, Denny, putting, uh, pointing out to Green Bay's defense in the past, averaging about eight targets per contest against backs in 2019. That's right. Yeah. I, I just, I think that it don't, you know, don't get off of them. If you, if you have them, if you hadn't them in your flex, uh, I, you know, I can't imagine that he's like a must start. In a, in a standard size 12 team or, or, you know, 12 team league with standard roster sizes, but you know, he's way, way better. I think uh, a play than, than he may seem. And it's, and it's honestly just related to that, uh, to that drop. And those things stick in our head though, as, as fantasy players, you know, that like that image of him dropping it is seared into <laughs> your memory. You know, it's because it was such a devastating drop. I mean, that would have been a devastating drop if it had happened before halftime. Forget about, you know, <laughs> Uh, at the end of the game to win to win the whole thing so uh yeah just don't don't get like overwhelmed by that that image is what i'm saying and pat's already put the lines out of the playoffs because of it so yeah it was it was absolutely devastating (laughs) all right saying we know it comes down to one game very often week one is just as important as week 17 folks i mean they are underdogs here to the packers by six points so it's easily an uh, oh and two start here for the Lions potentially all right let's get out the flamethrower 
You know what brought the heat was the Chicxulub impact. Oh my gosh. All right. It's only Wednesday. It's only Wednesday. Okay. Let's take a look at my column. Yes. The biggest bust of the week. Five names I list this week. There's no way I can get this one wrong. There's no way that Deshaun Watson against the Baltimore Ravens comes out and puts out like a career best performance. The total in this game against the Ravens is 51 and a half. Deshaun Watson was started in 91% of Yahoo leagues. That should probably been up to 100%, but people are weird. Anyways, what we, what we expected heading into this game last weekend, Pat was something to be easy for Deshaun Watson. I would say like in the opening couple series, it was like when it was scripted and when Tim Kelly, what they had been working on all summer when that worked. Yes, it was great. But then the offensive line played awful turnstile saloon doors. Right. Uh, and then we just saw Duke Johnson go out. We saw only things heading in Will Fuller's direction, really working. Brandon cooks being at like half speed and half snaps. So I'm so nervous about this game against the Ravens. And I know he was drafted as like the quarterback four, quarterback five out there in so many people's leagues. But Pat, the last time he played the Ravens in 2019, his lowest output in his career, 3.9 fantasy oh. points. Not a good look here. Yeah, he had under 170 passing yards. And like that was an interesting point you made about week one where when the Texans were scripted, it really did look great. But after that, I mean, the right side of the Texans offensive line just got caved in and we know the Ravens uh, have a scary defense uh, pretty much every level for Deshaun Watson to be facing this weekend. So it's very tough to fade someone in a game with this high over under. Deshaun didn't really get much garbage time production against the Chiefs. He got enough to save his day, actually. He had a nice garbage time effort, but mm-hmm. I feel like that is what you will be counting on again against the Ravens. And you know, it's not like a, it's totally plausible and in play, but you just, that's not what you want to count on to win fantasy weeks. Like, oh, Deshaun. Uh, you know, a backdoor cover will carry Deshaun to my fantasy day, you know? Right. Um, so, yeah, it's uh, – it's I, I have him ranked much lower. I mean, he's going to be, like, to me, like the QB 7 to 9 range, and most weeks I'll have him in the top five. So I, I agree with you that uh, uh, I don't like betting in special talents, but on paper it looks like a potential week two bust. I mean, Denny, the formula, it doesn't look good against him, right? Yeah. Pressure that the offensive line allowed. You have the Ravens, what they did to that – um, Cleveland Browns offensive line last week. Plus, we know that secondary is still one of the best in the NFL, but we always know that Deshaun Watson can have magic in his pocket. Right. I, you know, that you look at the Texans implied total, it stands at 22 and a half right now. Uh, it's not hateful. And um, <laughs> I'm trying to, you know, sp- spin it in a little bit of a positive light. And, but you, you do, you do kind of have to, you know, spin a, a story in your head about how he can save his fantasy day because like very likely it's not going to be like in a traditional way of, of uh, you know, keeping pace and having a neutral game game script. You know, you're, you're probably most likely looking at a scenario where he comes into the second half uh, with, you know, just a few fantasy points and, yeah. and then um, is, is forced out of the pocket. I think I'm more comfortable starting, a rushing quarterback in this situation because of, because of the rushing upside, because of, you know, having to drop back over and over, he's not just limited to chucking it downfield. Um, you know, he can, he can get off those 10 and 12 yard runs. And, and like we saw on Thursday night against Kansas city, uh, the rushing touchdown, you know, which is the yeah. ultimate day saver, you know, for, for <laughs> a quarterback. Uh, and so I think you can tell a reasonable story if, if that's, if that's the way you, you want to go this week. Yeah, I also think if the Chiefs ran all over 
you know, this Texans yeah. defense last week, then just imagine what the Ravens are going to do. I mean, as you have both said, I mean, the Ravens could easily be up by 14 points in the second half. And then it's up to if he scores touchdowns or not with Deshaun Watson, which he's definitely capable of doing like he saved his week last week with that rushing touchdown as well. Okay, speaking of Thursday night football, let's talk about Thursday night football this week. It's, it's the Cincinnati Bengals going to the Cleveland Browns. Cleveland at home, despite last week's performance, are six-point favorites. Let me just make sure I saw that correctly. Yes, <laughs> they are six-point favorites, a total of 43-and-a-half. Pat, I'm sure you've had a chance to watch some of these two performances from last week from these teams. What stood out to you first with Joe Burrow and his rookie performance? First off, isn't it like a little early in the season for this? I mean, I guess maybe that's why they're doing it because, uh, you know, their seasons aren't technically over yet, uh, the Bengals and Browns. You know, Joe Burrow, uh, we thought he, he seems like a hit-the-ground-running type talent, but, I mean, what we saw was a player being welcomed to the NFL against yes. a, a very good defense, made a few more maybe mental mistakes than I was anticipating from him, nothing like egregious. Um, it was a very, very, very tough day, and uh, it's the Browns' defense is – not on the, the level of the Chargers defense talent-wise. I mean, still going to be Miles Garrett and his grill. Still going to be Denzel Ward making problems at the back end of the defense. And uh, we wanted Joe Burrow to just be plug-and-play, like have offensive rookie of the year wrapped up by week two or three. Uh, it's not going to happen. He's just going to have a normal rookie start, I guess. But, I mean, nothing – we definitely saw the, the hashtag moxie uh, from Joe Burrow, which is the one th- – you know, one of the few things you can't teach. So – Nothing discouraging in his rookie start in his first start, but very much a rookie start and a welcome to the NFL start. And yeah, I mean, it's even even after even a player coming off the greatest season in say history, uh, there's going to be growing pains. I thought that the the Konami code sort of upside from Burrow could be uh, the biggest takeaway if you want to look at a positive takeaway uh, from Week One, and we kind of knew that was going to happen. I mean, he rushed a good amount at LSU. Um, he's not a bad runner. And as, as we saw, so even if he has those lo- those low yardage totals, passing yardage totals, I think that, you know, he could be decent for fantasy uh, going forward. I, I mostly worry about how leaky that Bengals offensive line was. You know? Yes. I that mean, the Chargers, <laughs> yeah, the Chargers sometimes weren't even sending blitzers and we're just getting to them, you know, with, with, with four guys. So that was... Uh, that was concerning. And I actually think that could be a big thing on Thursday yep. night against Cleveland. That's Who was the Bengals biggest... right tackle because like he was Bobby Hart. Joey Bo- yeah, sure. Joey Bosa just basically was operating as if uh, he wasn't there. Uh, so that wasn't great. Yeah. Bo- Bobby Hart somehow put together a performance on Sunday. That was even worse than his tweets this summer, which I don't know if you all followed that, but that was a nightmare. Anyways, um, with that, that's my point too, Denny is we saw it multiple times in week one that if an offensive line is just completely overmatched by pass rushers, and I'll throw out the Chargers versus the Bengals, I'll also throw out Washington versus the Eagles, it completely changed the outcome and the scope of a contest. And you can absolutely see that here in this week as well. I mean, Larry Ogunjobi, Miles Garrett, I can keep going down the list. And if that, I mean, that easily, that easily could be the one signal that mm-hmm. points us to Joe Burrow r- running the football because he's going to have to. And I actually think that that was probably the one area where he was most decisive in week one. You know, so many of us loved what he showed at LSU in terms of going through multiple progressions. And he did that. I don't know if, you know, his receivers gave him enough time, but he like barely missed just a few big plays. Right, Pat? Like there was 
you know, a, a reaching catch that went through John Ross's hands. He missed another one, I believe, to A.J. Green. What I was also concerned by and alarmed by was I thought Joe Mixon would be much more used in the passing game, and I thought Tyler Boyd would be a target hog in the slot, and neither happened in week one. And I know so many things change in the NFL every single year from week one to week two, and maybe they both get five-plus targets. Maybe Tyler Boyd gets 10 targets this week, and then I'm not having to worry about that. But because of no preseason games, because of nothing, because it's a new quarterback, it's basically a whole new situation, that does give me pause heading into week two with both of these players. I will say with Boyd, uh, he gets a great matchup in the slot this week. 44 of his 55 snaps were from the slot uh, against the Chargers. And the Browns, as we saw last week, have a, a, a very difficult uh, slot coverage issue. They, they, had, they had a special teamer, uh, a career special teamer whose name I can't remember, uh, co- you know, covering the slot. Uh, that may change this week, but there are no good options. So I, I see Tyler Boyd with a, you know, potentially a, a really nice, really good upside here against Cleveland. The Joe Mixon thing was so disappointing because it seemed like in the second half of last season that the Bengals figured this out where they put the offense on Joe Mixon's back and like learned that, yes, he could be a true foundational every down back. And you know, then they give him the contract extension like two weeks for this game. And then Gio Bernard, I mean, I guess it's the power of the mustache, basically, which Denny has done a really good job raising awareness of on Twitter, Giovanni Bernard's mustache. That's right. um, I didn't get it. Uh, why, you know, the most important plays in the game, they had Giovanni Bernard in the game over Joe Mixon. And I, I just thought the Bengals had uh, graduated beyond that. Yeah, you know, we're all called to action in different ways. And Denny's is with mustaches that awkwardly <laughs> fit on football players' faces. I know I know how to analyze it, man. You know, I, I mean, I, I spent hours analyzing Pat's mustache when he had it. So. Yeah. I don't blame a, you. A real big theme of my life. I, you know, I just had a child and still I think the biggest theme of my life the past two or three weeks is people telling me to bring the mustache back. <laughs> tomorrow. Just have it back tomorrow, Pat. That's all we need. Uh, we That's do need- the thing. It doesn't happen overnight, folks. I mean, something right. like that, that. That was three or four months. of yeah, some, some real work needs to be put in. Pat basically has to look also homeless before the mustache. <laughs> it's true. Out. It's true. That really helps once you shave off the homeless part. Then people are like, oh, my God. I didn't know that was there the whole time. <laughs> all right. Let's uh I know we talked a lot a lot about the Browns on the recap show which you can go and find on the feed. Any optimism here? I mean, if I would say this, if there is no advancement, improvement, progression this week from Baker Mayfield to Odell Beckham or Baker Mayfield to whoever to Austin Hooper, let's say, and we just get like the same average at best performance from all facets. Cause I actually don't think the offensive line played too terribly last week. I know some people do. I did not. They gave him plenty of situations where Baker should have incompetent quarterbacks across the league could have um, completed passes and made plays and, and he just didn't do it. So Denny, I mean, this has to be a get right spot. And if it's not, it's beyond time to get concerned. Well, I, I mean, he's unstartable in fantasy. You cannot play Baker Mayfield in, in this game. Uh, I mean, I guess unless you're in like a deep super flex or something. Uh, but, you know, I, I I think the Browns are determined more than ever to establish the run here. You know, the, if you listen to their coaches, I mean, Stefanski wants to establish the damn run. And, um, you know, last week they actually were kind of effective with running the ball against Baltimore until they could no longer run it. Uh, you know, until they were down by so many scores that they just had to pass it. And of course, you know, when the Browns are going to be in that spot, they're going to get blown out. I mean, there's no coming back from that. So I, I think that the the focal point, all the energy in the Browns offense is going to be getting the ball to Chubb and getting the ball 
to hunt. Um, you know, and I, I don't see much upside at all for Mayfield because if they fall behind, I don't think he's the kind of quarterback he has. Uh, he's not in the, in the position uh, to produce in, in garbage time and typically. And, and if they are ahead, he will not be throwing the ball at all. Yeah, he's, he's not a good come-from-behind quarterback right now because he's just a quarterback that defenses don't respect. So they just pin their ears right. down and just come over and over again. And until he burns them with some big plays, I mean, that's what's going to keep happening to him. It, if you're looking for any – so it's extremely concerning, obviously, in the context of last year that it basically didn't look any different in week one. But it is just week one. It's one game. I mean, the Miami Dolphins, what, 59-3 to last year, I believe, mm. to the Baltimore Ravens in week one. And – you know, by the end of the season, they were a pretty competent offense, supporting fantasy weapons. Uh, you know, two, uh, so many new parts. You know, two new, at least two new starting offensive linemen. They had very little time to gel. So, Josh, you thought the offensive line played well, but even if you think they didn't play well, you know, they, they need they're going to need more time to come together. Uh, the the ingredients are there for Kevin Stefanski to run that Minnesota Vikings offense that was very effective last year. Uh, it was just one very bad game and it's extremely concerning in the context of basically last year's problem seeming to carry over to this year. But um, I, I should, I should probably hedge on saying that the offensive line played well. I think they played fine. Like it wasn't to the detriment of the offense, like the Eagles offensive line was, or the detriment of the offense, like the Bengals offensive line was like, it was serviceable. I bet I, I guess is the right way to say it. Listen, Baker, I'm just going to cut you off too. The Baker though is the kind of guy who right now he's the kind of guy who's going to make even decent offensive line play look bad because yep. when defenses don't respect the quarterback, they just, they come with impunity and that can make an even a, a decent offensive line look bad. And he's kind of in like that Eli Manning zone, almost like late career Eli, where his line is going to be perceived as bad basically until he does something to take some pressure off his line. I'll, I'll close with this comment. I think we have all watched enough football and followed this league enough to say, if the Browns start two and five, one and four, are there crazier things to happen than Case Keenum coming in here and playing quarterback? No, no, he he's he will he will play this year. That that's I I I have to uh, say that Keenum coming in is the best thing that can happen to Odell Beckham. And I, I try one hundred percent believe that Keenum will throw that thing fifteen times a game to Beckham. He'll throw it downfield. He's not going to sit there and pump fake over and over and over like Mayfield. Inde- he's not indecisive. I mean, Keenum, Keenum is, as we say on Living the Stream, a DGAF uh, quarterback. And, and I think OBJ is the, is the perfect kind of uh, wide receiver for a DGAF quarterback. And Keenum makes big plays on play action too, which is like uh, Kevin Stefanski's MO. Yeah, again, bad performances, more of them, other than just week one will need to happen for that to take place. But as we saw... It is absolutely possible. Okay, that's going to do it for us. We'll be back here on Thursday evening slash Friday morning with, yes, our preview podcast going through all 15 other games on the NFL slate. That'll be with myself, Hayden Winks, John Daigle, and Roto Pat. Again, go and check out the Target Decoder column, which is up on Roto World. Go and check out my bus column, which is up on the site right now. And thank you all so much for leaving us rating reviews. It truly has helped us out for Denny Carter for Patrick Doherty. I am Josh Norris up the villa. Talk to you soon. Look around. You can find cars like these on Auto Trader, like that car riding right your tail. Or if you're tailgating right now, all those cars doubling as kitchens and living rooms are on Auto Trader too. Are you working out and listening to this ad at the same time? Well, multitasking pro, cars like the ones in the gym parking lot are for sale on Auto Trader. 
New cars, used cars, electric cars, maybe even flying cars. Okay, no flying cars, but as soon as they get invented, they'll be on AutoTrader. Just you wait. AutoTrader. Whether you're a morning person or a bedtime procrastinator, everyone deserves a mattress that works for their style. And you'll find the best mattress for you at Ashley. The new Temper Adapt Collection at Ashley brings you one-of-a-kind body-conforming technology, making every sleep tailored to be your best. The collection also features cool-to-the-touch covers and motion absorption to help minimize sleep disruptions from partners, pets, or kids. Shop the all-new Temper Adapt Collection at Ashley in-store or online at ashley.com. Ashley, for the love of home.